Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Our only uh, show this month that is actually not in front of a live audience, Anthony. Uh, it's uh, We're down in your game room, and there's a shuffleboard table since the last time I was down here. You haven't been here since the shuffleboard yeah. table? It's well, been a while, right? That's, that was an addition during COVID, and it turned out to be a tremendous addition. Actually, it was just before COVID, but we ended up using it a lot during the COVID pandemic, and it's turned the basement Olympics into a much grander event because now we have four games. We've got darts, foosball, shuffleboard, and bubble hockey. So the basement Olympics have turned into, you really, it's almost like a decathlon of bar games. Works yeah. out pretty well. Yeah, that is pretty cool. If I knew you had the duff, the, the shuffleboard down here, I would I would have come down uh, earlier for these uh, Olympic games because, as you know, I am a shuffleboard. You're a shuffleboard uh, expert, right. And we've had near fatal injuries suffered on shuffleboard courts yes at the table in dallas one time there was i mean you nearly nearly broke fingers and it's there have been some major major issues on shuffleboard tables and we've learned a lot about the dusting process over the years of those Mm -hmm. shuffleboard tables and actually yeah you're you have a sandy court yeah this one is actually it's not well done right now because ariana had some friends down here and they do not pay respect to it before our Olympiad, it will be pristine, and I've learned a lot about the waxing and sanding process in this and the leveling of the table and the way it's supposed to work, and it's, it's actually, there's an art to it. You, you spray this, uh, an adhesive on it first, and then you lightly sprinkle the sand so the sand then doesn't move, unlike when we're in bars <laughs> where you'd plow through it like a snow plow, yeah. and then you'd have to play the slope the rest of the day. Until one guy would yeah. brush it all off and resand it. Yeah, that guy uh, Mike Greenlay is who we're talking about. Mike <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike uh, has a temper at the shuffleboard court, and if he if there's a shot missed, he's got to resand the whole board. He's been a part of Basement Olympics down here, and yeah, that's why I haven't been. Yeah, well, you should come back because he's a kinder, gentler guy now that he's <laughs> had heart surgery. Yeah. We wish him well in his recovery, yeah. but he's he had heart valve surgery. Crazy, I heard and that. He was over here for a bocce ball tournament recently, and it was, uh, it was probably five or six weeks after his surgery, so he's healthy, and everything's great, but he can't really move. So he throws bocce balls like about a 105-year-old man would, where he doesn't even rotate his body at all and just throw, they're really a like feeble-looking throw. It was, it was a little frightening. It was almost like a look ahead. That's what we're all going to look like <laughs> in a not-too-distant future. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mike, uh, Mike once got angry at me on a shuffleboard court and threw a rock at me, but no big deal. Would have just ruined my sports writing yeah, career. Yeah, I mean, it's there was a chance there were some other things happening that night too, but it was a, it, it was there was also a threat made that can't be repeated on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, but it did stop the bar in its tracks, <laughs> it and everybody did. looked. It over was them. like you remember those old EF Hutton commercials yeah, yeah. when EF Hutton talks, people listen, yeah. and it was it came at the perfect moment. Yeah, it's like the music went down, the bar silenced, and all of a sudden the threat was made, and. Uh, and shockingly, I missed my next shot because I didn't play well under pressure. <laughs> um, so uh, our next live show is August 24th at Elsie's. Cannot wait for that. Our last show at Tuttle's uh, was just packed. And 
And Anthony and I thank you for that because obviously uh, it's been a slow summer for the wild in terms of news. And for you all to come out on an 80-degree summer night, uh, beautiful night, uh, and pack the place at Tuttle's, it's a hum like a thing. And then our next show after that is a really special show. It's August 30th at Kowalski's in Uptown, also 7 p.m. And uh, Anthony, if you remember, uh, if you came out to last year's uh, Kowalski show at Shoreview, Anthony put on a show, uh, Grilling Steaks, and uh, we did a podcast as well, and that will be this one this this August 30th at Kowalski's now in Uptown. And it's going to be a little bit of like a steak sampler for the fans. Nice. And they've said they're going to have a few different of their cuts of steak, and which are terrific always. But it'll be a great opportunity to give a few of them a shot yeah. and see what you like, and hopefully we prepare them properly. Uh, we're going to stop the podcast for potential breaking news. Hang on. Okay, now we're back here at Worst Seats in the House, and it was uh, potential breaking news, uh, Anthony. Yeah, you got a very important phone call you had to take. <laughs> Meanwhile, I got a call at the same time from Spam Risk. So <laughs> it turns out there was no breaking news from Spam Risk. Which is a good tee-up for this uh, podcast, because a lot of this podcast is going to be us talking about sort of the job and a lot of questions from fans today about uh, each of our vocations. Um, but yeah, the breaking news um, that I believe is going to happen, unless things fall apart, uh, because nothing is signed yet, is that uh, every indication I'm getting at this hour is that Sammy Walker, the three-time uh, University of Minnesota captain, the 2018 Mr. Hockey Minnesota, um, helped lead the Gophers to the Frozen Four this past year is going to sign with his home state wild. The Dinah native, Dinah High School, had 112 points in 144 games at the U. Lightning draft pick. I uh, could have gone back for a fifth year. The Lightning wanted to sign him last summer. He didn't sign. They wanted to sign him this summer. He didn't sign. He obviously, uh, with the you know the Wilds have has a blossoming prospect pool, Anthony. But the one area professionally that they do that they're still thin at is center. And I'm obviously Sammy Walker sees maybe a potential path of making the NHL one day here. Yeah, and Walker's a good player, a very good player for the University of Minnesota, had flashes and stretches where he was a dominant scorer. I don't know that he'll be a dominant scorer in the NHL, but I I could see a way where he would be a productive NHL player. And I was just thinking about it, as you mentioned, Mr. Hockey. Think about the Mr. Hockey winners that have now had a tie to the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. Barbie Hendrickson was one. They had Bukestad, they had Letty, wow. they had Rao. Those three guys won it in three years in a row. Jack Pert, who just recently won it. Mm -hmm. it's a dra Avery Peterson was a draft yep. pick of theirs who won it at Grand Rapids. Justin Kluse played for the Wild. It's crazy. Aaron Ness, I think, didn't he have a little cup of coffee in the minors, or am I making that up? I am. Uh, yeah, but I don't definitely think so. uh, Justin Kluse. Um, it's crazy how many Mr. Hockey winners have at some point either yeah. been the the have either played for the Wild or have been the Wild have owned their rights. Didn't Jeff Tafe play for the Wild? I'm almost positive I covered Jeff Tafe. Yeah, yes. he may I'm have a positive. long time ago. Yep. Uh, so there's one. And Chorsky, Tom the first Chorsky, ever yeah, one. He had had connections with the Wild broadcast for sure. Um, yeah. So not only that, I covered Tafe in Florida too. No, yeah. I didn't. I covered Tafe just here. Um, there you go. Uh, so Tafe, um, Darby, obviously, uh, Joey Dedzik, we know well, Trent Klatz, not, not wild, uh, uh, connections, but there you go. So, um, so yeah, it looks like Sammy Walker, unless things fall apart, uh, is going to sign with the wild as soon as, uh, tonight or tomorrow. Um, so that's, uh, that story. Um, Anthony, uh, world juniors on right now, wild still eight, eight draft picks in the tournament. Jesper Wallstadt, uh, 
only 12 saves today to get uh, Sweden into the quarterfinals, but man, did he, they need one from him with about 10 seconds left. It was, a, it was an outstanding save to get them into the quarters. He's looked good, and this World Junior Tournament had a, such a different feel to me for one reason. Without the Russians there, and the U.S. hasn't punched their ticket yet, and as we tape this, neither has Canada. They're playing in their quarterfinal. But there was almost no scenario where the final four weren't going to be the U.S., Canada, Finland, and Sweden. And while some of the other countries are getting closer, Germany's getting closer, Switzerland closer, you know, even we've seen the Latvia gave some teams games. And But the reality is those four countries it, it are the four that were almost a lock to make it into the semifinals of this tourney, where at least there used to always be that who's going to get the one quarterfinal matchup between two of those teams mm-hmm. where somebody could get knocked out. But I think the for the most part, the wild draftees have represented themselves well. Carson Lambos, maybe the one disappointment, had a, a disappointing first game and hasn't played since in the tournament. Wallstead, I thought, has looked really good. I know he was in goal for the one Sweden loss in the tourney. But I think a lot of the other guys have looked terrific. Yeah, and um, obviously, I mean, just having these guys in it says uh, a lot about the prospect pool that they're building here. And then when we'll see in the 2023 guys how many guys continue on and how many new guys potentially could play as well. Like Hunter Haidt has already been invited to Team Canada for the 2023 World Championships, as World Juniors as well. Um, so uh, pretty interesting. And maybe I'll even cover that in my uh, – in my expanding role at the athletic, who knows? We'll see. Um, State Fair is coming up here. I'm sure Anthony's got a bunch of appearances. I have a bunch of appearances at the fan booth, uh, so definitely come out to that. I'll be there. I know August 26th, I'm hosting a special show from 6:30 to 8. Uh, September 5th, uh, Labor Day. I'm going to try to drag Anthony out, but we'll see. Uh, probably not. Yeah, we'll see. It's uh, tw- uh, it's possible. It's become a tradition now at the uh, at the fan booth that I uh, host the final show of uh, the State Fair every single year, and this one's no different. Twelve to three on September fifth. So come on out. I'll also be out there with uh, Barrero on the twenty sixth, and I think. PA in common on the 30th. I'm not positive, so definitely come on out. Um, I mentioned the expanding role uh, at The Athletic. Um, I mentioned last week on last week's podcast that um, it's pretty neat. Um, We're going to actually expand our wild coverage this year by hiring a second writer, and I said that I hope that we hired our internal candidate because I think he's the best hockey writer at The Athletic. Well, guess what? Um, He has accepted the job. We'll be announcing it soon. It's a huge, huge deal. It's going to be ripple effects. throughout the hockey writing and hockey reading community uh, when it's announced uh, who is coming to Minnesota to cover the wild with me. And uh, we're going to be both doing national coverage as well. So, I mean, the coverage in the athletic, I think, is already uh, incredible. Uh, if I don't say so myself, um, throughout our hockey writing, uh, we got we cover every single market. But, man, is Minnesota just loading up right now with a, just an incredible hire as well. All right, let's talk about um, some, of the, some of the questions we have today, Anthony. Uh, some good ones. On sports writing, on the team, and we're just going to go as orders. I saw him. Rock NHL says, um, um, we talked a little bit about it last week, building relationships with uh, players, Anthony, and, and, and you know, we kind of gave our little tips and things like that. But what is the biggest thing that you do when a player is new to the wild that, to go out and, and sort of develop that relationship with them? You know, I, I don't know that I do anything that I would say is designed to develop a rela- relationship with them, but... I want to learn as much as I can about him. Mm-hmm. And I'll usually just kind of listen to what he, how he answers questions from all the rest of the media first. 
but I for sure spent some time researching him before that so that I want to make sure that if there's something out there that either I should know or that I'd want to know some kind of connection or tie to anybody with the organization or to anybody else that I might know, I want to know that in advance. But I usually will just introduce myself at the beginning and then just kind of let it develop on its own. I don't have to write a story like you would on a new player that's coming. So I rarely would have, unless it's a really significant free agent, you know, a Parisi or Suter type guy, where we would be doing a sit down with them for a special show of some kind. If it's that, that's different. If it's just a, a normal guy that's coming in, I'll just introduce myself, welcome him to the Twin Cities, and, and then let it just evolve over a little bit of time, I think, where it's you see him around the rink, mm-hmm. you see him on the bus, you see him on the plane, and get some comfort level with him before starting, hey, tell me about this, tell yeah, me about yeah, this. Exactly. So it's for me, it's more of a... I'd say there's probably more patience involved because I don't have the urgency of yeah. I got to write a story about this guy's signing tomorrow. Rock NHL asked what are some tactics they use to loosen up them up during interviews. I mean, one thing I always do that the Wild are incredible about Aaron Sickman and his team here in Minnesota is, is letting us have outside the rink interviews. That was obviously different, difficult during COVID, but now that we're getting back to normal, I hope it gets back to normal. And you know, next in a couple of days, I'm sitting down with Brock Besser for a big story. Obviously, he doesn't play for the Wild, um, but you know, like uh, I'm hoping to sit down with Jake Middleton before camp. Um, obviously, we know about Mark Andre Fleury. I was just at Marco Rossi's house. And in fact, that story just popped in The Athletic the other day. Um, so that's part of it is getting them out of the ring, showing each other that we're human beings. Another thing that has really helped, especially during the pandemic, is my other podcast, Straight from the Source. It's an interview podcast. And we're, I'm actually part of my new role at The Athletic is I'm going to be doing the Wednesday Athletic Hockey Show as well. But I'm going to continue Straight from the Source. And one big reason is because when I sit down with a wild player for 50 minutes or whatever, you learn so much more than you would just interviewing somebody for a feature because they're so unguarded. They're, they're sitting there and they're cracking jokes. And also I think it helps develop my relationship with that player because they see that I'm actually not just a robot with a recorder in the locker room trying to get sound bites, that it's actually a fun little conversation. And that's what I like about that podcast. Well, I, I think that's all true. And there's also things that are common interests. So I find that I'll talk to guys a lot about, I like to learn about their workout regimens, mm-hmm. about their nutrition, about how they eat. I love to talk to them about restaurants in cities that we're going to visit and things like that where, and it's not just, it isn't a tactic. I'm truly interested. Yeah. I want to find out what they do. I want to find out what they're, when you talk about the workouts, I love talking to each of those guys about how they train and what they do, and I'm really interested in it. I want to know what they do during the offseason, what they do during the season. And then when it comes to food or drink, I, the, there's a few guys who like to cook, and I like to talk to them about what they make and how they make it, and especially guys from other countries where I, I like to talk to them about what's normal and wine from their country or food specialties, those kind of things. And as soon as you have that kind of connection, then it's amazing how many of them will come over and either comment on a meal they saw on social media that I had prepared or come and ask me about a restaurant, like, where'd you eat dinner last night? Or where are you going when we get to Boston? Or Mm -hmm. name the city. And it's a genuine interest. It's not just... BS. It's I want to. I like hearing about where you guys ate, and you know you bump into them from time to time at these restaurants yeah. too. So that's that's. And fine. I think it's important, like th- that they realize that we're trustworthy and and 
good people too. Like, you know, I mean, that's the one thing is a lot of times in today's day and age when you, I think, uh, especially as a sports writer, you know, you have so many ways to piss off a player with social media, you know, Twitter, something you say flippantly on a podcast, which I do weekly, something you say, and that you don't even realize you're doing it, but something offended somebody, something you say on a radio, something you say on TV, something you say in the athletic. And, and I think it's just important to sort of, you know, create that, um, you know, that, that also that, that personality with the players, like these players, as much as the fans think they know me, the players know me as well. I mean, the amount of jokes I get about, you know, where are you going for, where are you going to the casino today? What, what, you know, what coffee shop are you going to? The number of jokes I get, um, you know, when we're on the road from a player the next morning that just happens to know what I did the night before based on my character. Where do you smoke a cigar today? And also it's good when you develop that relationship because you feel like, like we're, I think I, t I, I don't know if I told this story on the podcast and I won't say who if I didn't. But we were in Seattle this year. I don't think I was definitely not with you, but I was with Dane Muzutani, I believe, from the Pioneer Press, and maybe Ryan Clark from the Athletic, who's since left us and gone to greater places. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Definitely, not. like you know, he's moved to a different place. Let's put it that way. Um, um, which I hope was announced. I'm always just there's a great example. I've put my foot in my mouth. Um, anyway, um, so uh, but. Like I'm walking down the street and I tweeted out something that was a mistake and it would have been truly humiliating for me if it gained traction. And within a minute, a wild player texted me and he goes, hey, I think you meant this, this guy. You wrote this guy. You know, it was just a typo in the name, but it was it was a tough, tough um, uh, story that I tweeted out. And this player saved me from honestly. Like, he could have sat back and said, I'm going to watch with popcorn, watch what happens to Russo here. But instead, he saved my butt, and I was able to delete the tweet and put out the right tweet. So, you know, it's good when you feel like you, you know, th there's a, an example where a player actually felt like, you know what, I'm not going to let Russo get embarrassed. Um, you know, I think that's pretty cool. And sometimes coaches will do that, too. They'll help bail you out if yeah. you... I'd like to say it hasn't happened to me very often, but you'll get a reporter that'll ask a, a question where they could just really make them look silly mm -hmm. in front of everybody else. And instead, they'll just kind of give a, a protective answer to mm -hmm. knowing. And, and you know there's people in the room that are looking out of the corners of their eyes like, how is he going to answer this one? Because he could just torch this yeah. poor reporter. And the good ones are willing to do that and... But, you know, there's a there's also a balance because then there are times where guys are and a lot of times it comes from their wives, at least for me, their wives are sitting at home watching the game on television. And if all of a sudden it's, well, these guys said that you screwed up on this play or something. And and so it's a little easier for me because I usually try to keep it relatively factual. And if we say this guy hasn't scored in 10 games, well, if he hasn't scored in 10 games, I mean, yeah. are you going to really argue with me about that? But if it's if it's, do you remember that time in Buffalo when that player came up to me at the press elevator and he goes, you know, you got to realize how much power you have in Minnesota. Like people believe like the things that you write and it it affects their it influences their opinion. And I said, what are you mad about? He goes, well, you wrote that today that I'm like minus twenty two in my last twelve games, and I'm like. You are minus 22 in your last 12 games. <laughs> like, that is not me shaping the opinion. That's me just putting a fact. Right. You know, I won't say the player's name. Player, I comma. I had the same like, conversation yeah. with the same player. Yeah. And I, I said, well, you are minus 22 in your last. I think yeah. it was minus 22 in, like, 20 games. Yeah, but it yeah. was, But it was that. And it, 
what, what what do you want me to say? That's yeah. the like when you're plus twenty two in twenty games. We mentioned it. Yeah, and I didn't say you know blank who's been playing like crap lately, and right. here's a proof. Or you know? just arbitrarily yeah. say he's been on the ice for a zillion goals against. Yeah. It's backed up with a statistic. Yeah, and so for me, I always try to keep it that way, and I think that's partially the play by play guy's job. It's not my place to critique how a guy plays. I'll leave that to the analysts who are the experts and let Wes put his foot in his mouth. (laughs) Well, but, and I mean, but Wes has credibility. Yeah. yeah. So if Wes Walls says, Hey, look, this guy's, this wasn't good enough. And he's very careful to call out a guy. It's usually more of the team, Mm -hmm. but the wilds defensive zone coverage has not been good enough. They've been too loose. And here are a couple examples and he'll show you, and hey, in this spot, this guy can't do this. In this spot, this guy can't do this. Well, are you really going to sit down as a as a viewer or as a player's wife and say, I know more than Wes Walls when it mm-hmm. comes to defensive zone coverage? No, you don't. Yeah. So just sit back and say, all right, well, I trust that if Wes yeah. said it, he's probably right. When I was down in Florida, Ray Whitney, Ray Whitney and I had a great, great relationship down in Florida, and he was a hell of a player, um, hell of a player. And he, he, I mean, the guy was like, if he was on fire, I'd write it and write it, write it. Well, he went through a slump that all goal scorers do. And I, I was, I was on him for it. And, um, he came up to me one day and he was all pissy at incredible ice, their practice facility. And I'm like, I'm like, Ray, I've written glowing stories about you for months. Now you're in a rut. I'm writing that. That's what you have to do. You have to take with the good, with the bad. That's my job. That's your job as a player. And the next day he scores the game-winning goal in, like, the third period, and I write this glowing story about him, and he came up to me the next day, and he's like, I see what you mean, okay? So anyway, years later, I'm here in Minnesota. Brent Burns is being a little, you know, pissy with me. And um, and I said, Brent, what is your problem? He goes, oh, you're just hammering me lately. You're all over me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Brent, I said, this is the way it works. You turn the puck over for a goal in overtime last night. I got to write that. I can't ignore it. Tomorrow night, if you score that same goal, I'm going to write a glowing thing to you. What did happen? The next night, he scored the game-winning goal in San Jose. And, or may, you know what? Maybe he assisted on Miko Koivu's game-winning goal in San Jose. It was one of the two. And, um, and he, it was the same thing. He came up to me. He goes, I got it. I got it now. You know, that's just the, that's the way it works. And I think, I think for the most part, if players see – in each of our roles, you're obviously more on the team side than me. You're on the freaking aircraft. I'm not. But if they see that we're fair, I think for the most part, you can have good relations with them. It's if, it's, yeah. if you get personal, if you're unprofessional. I think if you get personal and if you share things that you weren't supposed to share. Right. As long as you don't do those two things. And so for me, yes, we're team partners. We're on the plane and we're on the bus and we're in the same hotel and I mean, let's just, as just one example, like a guy gets on the plane and the trainer sits kitty corner for me in the aisle. Mm -hmm. So I see every guy that comes back to ask for an ice bag or is being looked at for something. Well, I'm never going to repeat what I just saw that. Yes. I watched this guy just like take his shoe off and his foot is the size of a football. I mean, I'm not going to ever say that if I saw it there now, if I saw the guy during the game get hit with a puck in the ankle and limp down the tunnel, that's mm-hmm. different. Everybody saw that. So as long as you don't share those kind of things, and same is true with the coaching staff and everything else, where they'll sometimes will share what their plans are for 
who's going to play what night or who's going to play on what line. And, and that to me is, is given to me in confidence sometimes where I need it for my prep, but I'm certainly not going to, I don't care if I'm the first one to post it on social media. I don't care if I ever post, I, I very rarely do mm-hmm. unless it's said in front of the other media. So as long as you don't violate that and then, yeah, just don't make it personal. Yeah. So if, if, if a guy is in a slump right now and, and I think, we've established enough with most of these guys that they know you're fair when things are good, you applaud them. And most of them then are willing to say that, all right, well, yeah, I was a minus four tonight. I mean, what what are you going to say? And, and I think that players also like if, if, if the average fan knew the number and you see it, the number of fires have to put out on a given day, like it's always something, there's always some unbelievable stress in the background of something I did or wrote or said or blah, blah, blah that I'm always dealing with the next day, but that stuff's done behind closed doors. It's never repeated. Even as you just mentioned, our, our relationship, I know that boundary that you are on the team plane. I have never, ever put you in a position where I'm like, Hey, was it a shoulder? You know, like, right. like, you know, I know, like I try, I, I don't do that because I know that that is your confidence. And remember, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, but remember when I broke the Charlie Coyle trade, when Paul Fenton came up to you on the on the yeah, aircraft and accused you of being my source. Right, and, and said, "How did Russo know this?" I'm like, "How? How? I didn't know it. How yeah. in the world? I mean, like, I you're no telling idea. me, Quill. Right. Like I didn't and know it until Russo." He said, "So how did he know he wasn't on the plane?" I said, "I didn't know he wasn't on the plane. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have no idea why you're talking to me." Yeah. But and then he marched up and down the aisle. And well, wanted, he, like, look then at he started. Phones. Well, he started asking me about the who's down it was during the high school hockey tournament yeah so he was asking me well who would have access down there and i was like well i covered the tournament for years i mean there's a million people down there there's bus drivers there's equipment guys there's the principal the athletic director from these schools i mean there's who knows how many people are down there and he, he actually we were we got to new york he brought me over to the team the players bags and said, you look at these bags and tell me how you know which one is which players. And I looked at him and I said, well, am I supposed to? I I have no idea. And he said, how would somebody have seen that and known which bag was his? And I said, Paul, I I have no idea. I'm not the one who said I saw Charlie Coyle's bag get taken off the truck. I mean, I... I, you keep asking me these questions that, I mean, he was a paranoid guy. So the, the amount of effort the, he put into trying to figure out who yeah, my sources and it's were an, is crazy. That was, that's the exception rather than the rule. I, I mean, I will say with our current regime, I've never had a conversation. I've never had a conversation like that with anybody before yeah. in, in the world and of And then sports. he threatened to fire somebody at the team hotel. That was, it was a hell of a day. Um, so anyway... <laughs> I the bigger I, and better things. I could do a Paul Fenton only kind of like it, it, that story that 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 big story I wrote on Paul Fenton that a uh, week after he was fired in July, like the amount of stuff I left out of there that I've, I've that really was truly egregious was unbelievable. Like there's one story that still bothers me that I didn't write because it just every time I think about it, I get heated anyway. Is your AC struggling to provide you comfort through these sizzling hot summer months? Having new equipment can save on utilities, repairs, and offers increased comfort and improved operation. For a limited time, Aquarius Home Services is offering a new AC starting as low as 55 bucks a month. Contact my friends over to Aquarius Home Services and request a free in-home estimate. With your comfort and safety as a top priority, a specialist will visit your home, discuss your needs, and provide options that make sense for you and your home. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended 
They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention, Russo sent you, and here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. Back here, worst seats in the house, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Anthony Charles Stewart, TCU Charles Stewart, future play-by-play guy. frogs. Yep. Um, of all the places you both have been in the U.S. and the world, which one was your favorite and which was your least favorite? Any retirement-worthy places? Charles must know that I'm thinking about retirement already. Well, I'm only about 25 years away from retirement, so I'm, I'm about not, two. I'm not thinking about that yet. But, well, I'll tell you, it's interesting. We've had some unbelievable European experiences over the last few years, and there have been a couple. I... I remember standing at the at the point in Bellagio, looking at the Y in the lake mm-hmm. when we were I know exactly in what Como, you're talking about. and I sat there with Margot and my son AJ and looked, and I said, "We might be in the most beautiful spot I've ever been in my life," and that was pretty cool. And then the next trip, we were in the Alps. And, I was just going to say that I, exact same we thing. We sat yeah. above that valley, the I forget the name of the valley, yeah. but it was... It's like glaciers on top yeah, of it. Yeah, and most of the tour had gone over to go inside the glacier. Yep, I did. And there were about six of us who went to the other peak and sat on this spot to have a picnic overlooking that valley. It was the Jungfrau Yoke was the name yeah. of the peak, I think, but I can't remember the name of the valley. And as we sat there, again, I it was one of those moments where you just turn to each other and say, look at where we are right now. We might be in the best picnic place on the planet. So those are probably the two favorite individual spots I've been. But in terms of, I I haven't given any thought to a retirement place. If my family stays here, my kids, meaning if they raise their children in the Twin Cities, I can't imagine moving somewhere else just to get away from the I'd want to be wherever they raise their families. So my retirement spot might well be right here in Shoreview. Plus, I'm about, I don't know, eight or nine thousand hours into home projects around here. So I don't see myself walking away from it. And our house is nothing fancy, but we have built it ourselves. I just can't imagine walking away from it. Every time I walk in your house, the one word that I always like pops in my head is warm. Like there's a, like you walk in, and it's just this warm house, like, you know, especially at night when the lights are dim in the living room and all that, um, where, you know, I live in a sort of a new build. So it's like, it, you know, it's like cookie yeah. cutter type and, thing. And it's, um, it's not mature yet. Yeah, the trees yeah. and everything are yeah. small and, and there's just been so much life in this house too. Yeah. So the boys were a huge part of everything we built. We put in the patio, we put in the front sidewalk. Yeah. We just put up pillars on the front porch. We put in a fire pit. We finished the basement. That's just everything that was done was done. Hey, guys, how, how would we do this that would make it better for you guys yeah. and your friends? And so, the, yeah, I, I like I appreciate the, the comment that it's warm because it's home. Yeah. And so it's just hard to imagine not being here. Yeah. Um, for me, I agree with you. Like being in the that one trip where we went to the top of the Alps uh, of all our Europe trips, uh, that one to me, just sticks in my head, that view of just looking down. Um, and then I was just I was just in, in Cancun, 
and just honestly looking out at the ocean at night and just realizing how we are truly dust in the wind. You know, like every time I'm down there and just look at night at the moon over the water, it's just, it's unreal. Um, so like, uh, that's the one thing with our Europe trips is that like every time we're, I saw, I heard you say it to Gianni a couple times on this trip, like just appreciate where we are right, right now. Like you are, you might never be in Prague again. You might right. never be we're in. We're standing you know, up at that monastery yeah. on the top of the hill overlooking Prague. And if you don't just stand back and appreciate it, you're selling yourself short yeah. where whatever else is going on today, we're standing here, I'm with my wife, my daughter, and her boyfriend, and we're overlooking this unbelievable city. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, it would be impossible to give it a ranking, but one of the coolest cities on the planet. Yeah. And we are so blessed and so lucky and so fortunate. So, you know, those cities, it's been incredible what we've experienced on those trips. In terms of around North America, I mean, I, I actually love our first trip, going to Boston and Montreal this year. Those are two of my favorite cities to visit yeah. in the NHL. And as far as least favorite, I'm never a fan of going to Edmonton, yeah. ever. I, yeah. I don't like the city. We always seem to be there in the middle of winter, and it's, it just doesn't do anything yeah. for me. The new arena is, well, beautiful. It's impersonal and cold. We're a mile and a half up in the press box. It's, it's, it's funny, Rexall was a pit, but I loved it. I loved, I loved that. Building. I loved going there, yeah. but I never um, loved going to Edmonton. Yeah. There, just, there aren't great restaurants. Mm -hmm. It's the town, you know, yeah. they don't use salt, they use sand. So everything just feels dirty everywhere you walk. Yeah. And I know they, it's done to protect cars and everything, but it, it just makes it so you feel yeah. like you're walking in mud the whole time you're it's there. It's funny, I mean, this is, I, I know I always, like age myself, but this is my 28th year covering the league. And, I, you know, so I think I've been to Edmonton a lot more than you and seen, like I've been there for, for you know, uh, drafts and, and Oscar games and Stanley Cup final. I've never been there and, in the spring or summer. So and it's, it's beautiful in the summer. And I've just seen so many other places in Edmonton and that I just, I, I just, I never have an issue going there. I hate the airport. I've had the worst travel delays 10 different times in that freaking horrible airport. Um, so that what, I don't so what's, like. What would be your bottom city in the yeah. NHL? See, I hate saying this because I don't want to uh, don't piss anybody, anybody off. I know. Um, but I, I, mean, mean, I would say Buffalo just because, I, and again, I'm sure there's great places. I just never do any of them in there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I loved my time. I used to go to the Niagara Casino a lot and things like that. But I, since I've gotten older, I don't do stuff like that. Buffalo has grown on me in the last couple of years only because – the number one that having a hotel yeah. connected to the rink is nice if it's if you're there just for a back to back or something and i always love being close to the rink but the last couple of trips there i've eaten dinner at a place called sinatra's that i really like and then have found i discovered this old road of old dive bars mm -hmm. where there's music oh, yeah, and yeah. pool We've tables done that once, and yeah. and so yeah. that has made it where i yeah. don't mind the trip yeah. as much don't but love detroit I don't um, love Detroit, and, I, and for me, the bottom one would be Ottawa. Yeah. And part of it is where See, there's we another stay. one. Like, I, I covered training camp there so much for the Panthers for years that I know all the hidden secrets in but, Ottawa. But part of what I was going to say is we don't stay downtown yeah. most of the time. We have occasionally, and when you stay downtown, it's not as bad. We stay out in the middle of nowhere in an yeah. industrial park, and it's a 20-minute drive to the arena, which yeah. is also in the middle of nowhere, or a 20 minute drive to get downtown at least. Yeah. And so it makes it so that you really basically yeah. have nothing to do while you're there. So if we stay downtown, it's better. Yeah. And we did that a couple of years ago for some reason, I don't remember why, but the 
when we stay out, I forget the name of that hotel, but it is, we are literally in an industrial park in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that, Brook so, Street. Yeah, that's right. And so that's, when I look at the schedule every year, that's the one that would probably be at the bottom of my list for excitement levels. Yeah, um, it'll be, I'm trying to think. I mean, St. Louis has sort of grown on me. Um, I, I, Pittsburgh's I like grown on me, but Philly's grown on me. So, yeah, um, let's continue. Steve, now that we offended all these different uh, places. We've got a couple of, Here's a good question for us. That, do you brew coffee at home and what's your go-to brew? And the answer is yes. I do too. And, but I brew one every morning. And for me, we just use the Starbucks Pike Place roast beans. We have an awesome coffee maker, and I don't know the brand of it, but it is, it's an espresso machine that is, I absolutely love it. And so every morning when I get up, I brew a couple cups yeah. of coffee, one for me, one for Margo, and, and that's how every day starts. Yeah. Then I leave, and it's a couple Starbucks stops each day on a game day. But I do have one here every morning. We're enjoying one right now, in fact. So my habit is if I am waking up and I got to work all morning, I brew coffee, and I have such great beans. I mean, I get it from, like, Cafe Brit in Costa Rica, but I get, I get, I get pretty much everywhere I go, I just get a certain brand of coffee from that place, and, and I love it. But if I'm, like, you know, quick, got to be out the door, I make usually just an espresso pot or something like that. Um, so that's pretty good. Steve asks a good question. Says not a not a question about the wild, but lo I love hockey. But I've never played. What is the ref saying to the centers before they drop the puck on a faceoff? Seems like it happens during every draw, not just the opening faceoff. What they're telling him is to get set. If you're in the attacking zone, defending team's got to put a stick on the ice first. Things like that. Make sure your your uh, your feet are in the hash marks. Things like that. But the biggest thing they're saying is that if a face if a center is thrown out of the faceoff circle when the winger comes in to take the subsequent faceoff, what the linesman is usually telling him is don't commit a violation or it's a penalty. It's a rarely called penalty, but if two guys are kicked out of the same faceoff, it's a penalty to that offending team. So that's usually what the linesman is telling the winger is don't F up here. So what was your next question that you saw? Well, the, there was just another one about retiring and asking if, they, if we would plan to stay in touch with the Wild or Minnesota sports. Will you give up sports and just hang out in cigar bars? Will I open a restaurant? And <laughs> a I mean, one. it is a good question. And the short answer is, I don't know if how much in contact with the wild I would stay. I would like to think you would stay in contact with people there that they're now friends, that coworkers for years. And assuming that that all stays the same, would for sure stay connected to Minnesota sports. I've grown up in Minnesota. I've been here all my life. I've been a Twins fan, mm -hmm. a North Stars fan, a Vikings fan, a Gophers fan. Uh, had season tickets to the Wolves for a while when they first arrived. So I've been connected to Minnesota sports forever at every level, youth, high school, college, and pro. There's no way I would ever not be connected to that. And I've now, I love the NHL where I can't imagine upon retirement, not continuing to follow the NHL. Yeah. It's in terms of the restaurant, I, it, it, it's been talked about a lot. And I've had some people who are in the restaurant business who have approached me about it. Retirement, maybe it's not something I would ever consider now while still busy with the, my, mm -hmm. with my normal career. Because if, if I was involved, I would want to be hands-on involved. Yeah with quality control and ideas and all that kind of stuff. And I just don't have the time for that. Well, right I'll now. tell you, if you ever start a restaurant, make sure you get advice from Judd Bracken and his brother, uh, uh, Griffin, because, um, I'll tell you what, um, 
what a machine they have in Cape Cod. That port restaurant. Follow, just follow them on Instagram. Like, I don't even think I did it justice with how packed that place gets. Like, it is a staple in Cape Cod. And it's a high-end restaurant that at night just becomes bonkers and bananas. Um, so definitely, I mean, in a, in a city that has lost lots and lots of restaurants over the years, for them to have this thing going for 20 seasons, it's pretty unreal. I know you'll spend time in cigar bars. I'm a two-cigar-a-year yeah. guy. Yeah, and, I will be in cigar bars. And so maybe that'll expand a little bit upon retirement. Yeah. But for right now, I limit it to a couple of years. I just bought year. a box of Cubans at the uh, border the other day. Um, in terms of me in retirement, I will probably still be a major hockey fan, but I, you know, I am definitely looking forward to the day that I never have to write another word. In fact, if you text me, you'll be lucky to get, I'm not, (laughs) I don't love writing as it is. So like, that's the first thing I just, you know, see, that's the difference. I absolutely love game nights. I, I I love that too. I can't, right. But, but your job is to write and you don't love the writing part. You love going to the game. You love watching the game. For me, the big thing is calling the game. And I absolutely love that. So what I won't miss is the prep leading up to it. And I don't mind, and I don't want that to sound wrong because I really don't mind the prep. I, to some degree, I enjoy the research. What I don't like is the monotony of the prep where it's, okay, I have to put this together. And it isn't just for me, it's for our whole crew. Right. If I was just preparing myself, even that would be a little bit different. Yeah. But there are a few times during every season where you get in the grind of a four games in six nights or something, and you just feel like, oh boy, I just, I'm out of ideas. The team's not playing great. Or we feel, I feel like we've told the same story every night. And those kind of times, there's a grind to it. But then you get to the rink, and if you're, if your body, if your mind, your soul is a rechargeable battery and you drain it every day during prep, then as soon as you walk in the rink for yeah, game, you get recharged. Yeah. And by the time you get on the bus, you're ready to start prepping for the next game. Mm-hmm. And if that ever changes, maybe that's when you know it's time to scale back. But yeah. I will miss that part. I will miss the actual doing of my job. Yeah, I, I think that, um, that that's how... Uh, like uh, I love the hockey. Like that would be what I right. miss. And the you most. love like, the yeah. research and the tracking yeah. down of the and the like, interviews writing, and yeah, that kind of it's stuff. It's funny because I love like I love the process of sitting down with a player. Like I loved every minute of going out to Austria and sitting down with Rossi and gathering all that cool stuff. And then the the act of putting it together is at times I don't know what how it is. Like I said this the other day, and I got to tell you, like. Um, like if you read the comments to that Rossi story, they are freaking humbling. Like it is like a, it's a Russo love fest. And it's like, it's like sometimes like I read that stuff and I'm like, God, if they knew what I went through to write this story, they, they'd even be a bit well, more. Like, I don't think is, they like, know what yeah. you went through, but they certainly appreciate yeah. it because they appreciate like, the final yeah. product. Like, I, and that's like, like, I don't know what has happened in my where like every story that I'm writing lately, these, these, um, not to become a therapy section session, but um, like like every story that I'm writing lately, I'm almost like paralyzed as I write it to begin with. Like it takes so much, and I am I have the like it's amazing that I've done this job as long as I have because I have the most inefficient writing method of any professional writer that I know. Like I can't write a line in my article without rereading it, and then and then, so if I'm like that Rossi story was what five thousand words maybe four four thousand. If I'm on in the 
section around 2000, if I write a line, I start at zero again and read every word. And so what happens is these stories take forever because I'm constantly tweaking things. I'm rewriting leads. And I, I, to make it flow, I'm constantly rereading. And it is the most, like I tell other writers this method, and I've done it my entire life, even gamers. And, and uh, it's so inefficient. And yet, and it become, that becomes exhausting. Because by the time that you get to, we used to say in the newspaper, in, inch 30. But in time in the internet, you know, we're talking, you know, word 5,000. I've read that story a thousand times that it becomes like I don't even want to see it again. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, um, well, and I, I think no fan ever will understand what goes into that. Yeah. And really, even a TV guy wouldn't understand what goes into that on a daily, night-in, night-out basis. I think if I had to sit down and they said, hey, we want you to write a feature on, let's just say, on Mikko Koivu's career, mm -hmm. I'd be able to sit down and write that, probably do it relatively efficiently, but I wouldn't be able to do that again the next night yeah, yeah. and again the next night and again the next night. That there's, there's a grind to it that nobody really understands. And I think the same is true for a play-by-play -play guy. The, what, to put together your line charts and the graphics and all the ideas and do the research for, for a game, I think people, there's a lot of guys who could do that. Mm -hmm. But then when the game's over and you get on a bus because you're flying to the next city and you have a game against a different opponent the next night, there's a grind to that that I don't think people really understand yeah. and then do that 82 times over the course of a season. And it, that, that can wear on you, but the, your comment about the comments and the, the humility that you show when you see it, it's, and I experienced that from people just stopping by the set at twins games and the, they asked to stop and get a picture with you and, the compliments that people will give, it is. When you, yeah. I lived a lot of years. I worked a lot of years in this business when nobody knew who I was. Nobody cared who I was. So, I mean, I stop and we'll chat with just about all of them. But I appreciate every single one of them. Yeah, and like I don't know what it is about Minnesota because I don't feel like it's like this in other markets with the media. But the people, the way they treat us, is, especially the way they treat me. Like a Floridian hockey – I was born in New York. But a Floridian hockey writer coming to the state of hockey – where these people here that all listen to me and read me pretty much either know more about hockey or certainly have played the game, um, you know, the way that they embraced me and still to this day, I mean, this is my 18th season covering the wild. And for the most part, they haven't grown tired. Some have, um, but haven't grown tired well, of me. I think I it's think, pretty unreal. I think there's an appreciation for a, yeah. the work ethic. And it's not, I mean, I know you get social media people that will rip you as well. And, but those are fewer and further between. And, and I get the same thing. I mean, I'll get the guy who will, you know. You handle know, it better than me. <laughs> well, I get it. I mean, the people have opinions and it's a subjective business. Yeah. It's not a black and white. It's I not just, like you're yeah. an investment guy and here's yeah. how much money you made today, yeah. which tells you if you were good or bad at your yeah. job. I mean, it, there, it is a subjective world and who's somebody listens to and says they like or don't like is 100% opinion. And you could be as prepared as you possibly can. I could listen to another guy who makes 15, 20 mistakes in a period. And yet there'll be fans that say, I love listening to that guy. Well, for me, the mistakes jump out so much that I can't get beyond that. 
but somebody might just like the way his voice sounds. Yeah. And therefore they, they think he's great. Mm-hmm. Or he said something that made him laugh or you don't know what yeah. it is, but it's just an opinion and opinions aren't wrong. They're just different. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, but uh, for all the people that uh, read the Rossi story and commented, it, it was honestly like almost. I know it, the only reason why I knew about it is my mom texted me and she's like, "Have you read these comments?" And I read them, and and it is it like you know totally warms your heart, especially when you know on those days when when uh, when it's a bad day. And there's something about social media too, like like like. Uh, what I don't like about the social media, what you were just mentioning, is just the meanness by some people. Like, even if it's not aimed at me, like, like I don't really know Belinda Jensen, but somebody today like went after her for saying like she wrote throwing in the first pitch instead of throwing out, and this guy like went after her and said stick to weather and. I, I, that like the comment bothered me all day and I don't even know Belinda and that guy doesn't even follow me, but it bothered me all day. Like how can somebody be so mean? Well, you know, it's like, it's just like, like, and what, what you would love to respond sometimes to these people is I'd, I'd wish that I could live through your day and yeah. watch you live mistake free Yeah, because nobody does it. And most of these people who do take a shot like that, where there are times, look, I make a mistake every night. I have yet to deliver a perfect broadcast. I, there have been some nights where I've, hey, you know, I think I've been pretty good tonight. And all of a sudden, I'll call a guy a wrong name on a rush, and you think, well, there we go. I screwed that one up. But there are times where you would like to just respond to somebody and, like, well, yep, you're right. And I'm, I look forward to seeing your, per- I'd like to see the transcript from your perfect day today without a single mistake that you've made. And sometimes it is just an opinion. I mean, now, I, I didn't read Belinda's thing, but sometimes just using a different phrase or term, it might not even be wrong. It might just be different. Yeah. And even if it is wrong, maybe well, it's a typo, or yeah. maybe it truly was a the wrong vernacular. I don't know, but I don't understand what goes through somebody's mind to think this is going to make every, It's going to make me feel satisfied exactly. to say... Yeah. Stick to weather. Yeah. I was telling Rossi this, and I think you probably even witnessed this from me this summer because you know how addicted I am to Twitter. Um, But I really did a quality job starting after the draft to not be on Twitter a lot. Like, and it really did wonders for my mental health. Like, like, and and, and I know that there are some people that have been trying to reach me or tweet me that it's like, this guy's not responding ever. And a lot of it is because I honestly made a conscious effort to sort of take a month, month and a half off of reading the comments and, and things like that because it just it starts to weigh on you and it becomes an addictive thing where you're constantly just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And so, like, I've really, like, when we were in Europe, when, when I went to, you know, um, um, I, I, uh, Rhode Island for the, for the wedding, when I went to, you know, Cancun or whatever, it, it just, you know, it, it really helped keep my mind off hockey and sort of recharge where hopefully now I could write quality stories here in the next little while. And I really try to, if people tag me in a tweet or ask, as long as they're not like absurdly vulgar, mm-hmm. I'll reply to them. Even if it's a negative, even if it's a, Hey, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I respect your opinion and I'll usually try to respond to them. And, but other than that, I, I don't spend one one hundredth of the time you do yeah. on social media. But I feel like I have to. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, you know, uh, and sometimes it's extremely helpful. Like, somebody asked me two days ago. Right, do you but think I'm the, talking yeah. about, like, you read tweets that don't get 
have you tagged right, in. Right, right. I spend zero time on that. Right, right. Literally but again, zero. It's part of it is just knowing what's going on in the world. Like, uh, like uh, you know, in, in, the, in the hockey world. Um, but like the other day, uh, just to finish that thought, somebody, somebody asked me when, when uh, Sammy Walker became a free agent on Monday, do you think the Wild would be interested? And I read the tweet, and I'm like, I didn't even know he was a free agent today. So I made a bunch of – uh, that was – it was like I don't know if they if people thought they were going to sign like a number one center here or what, but it was hard to get somebody to confirm this. Um, and finally, I did. And of course, the way it works when you break something is then everybody comes out of the woodwork. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. like. Um, so anyway, um, you got to tell us about Kowalski's. But I did want to finish one thing on Charles Stewart. Like, if I were going to retire, I'm thinking like I'm like all climates. Like I love. Like the mountains of Colorado, I love the desert of Arizona. I love Napa. Like, uh, like, but lately it is funny. I, I kind of think about that. And in terms of stopping to watch sports, I think I'll always watch sports. Um, in fact, I I was telling you this when I came here. Reggie Bullock, who's a three point shooter for the Mavericks, I think he dropped fifty two at one point last year. He was standing in front of me at security yesterday in 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 uh, Mexico, and he's got hair that you can only be him, right? So, you know, I, I talked to him, and in the Cancun airport at security, you actually need, um, you need uh, uh, a mask. And he and his, and his significant other didn't have masks, and I lent them masks. So then, so I start talking to them uh, for the rest of security, and he and I were, he was asking me about how, I told him what I did. He was telling I would were, have had no yeah. idea. Like, he could be in the yeah. basement yeah. here right He's now got with us, and I wouldn't know who Google him, and he has unmistakable hair. Anyway, um, couldn't have been a nicer guy. We started talking about his time with the Knicks because my de- my brother's a big Knicks fan. Um, and anyway, uh, he was asking me all about covering the NHL, and I was asking him all about playing in the NBA. And it was just a, it was a neat ten minute conversation, you know, with a guy. And and that's what I, I I love the characters of it. Like I'll like that's what I'll miss the most is getting like watching a wild game from afar and just wondering why, what what the what the media is doing in the locker room right now. Like even when I go to a Twins game, I find myself the entire game staring at the press box, not the field. Tell us about Kowalski's. Well, we just had a great weekend with some good friends up in Minong, Wisconsin, on a lake on Red Lake, and tremendous weekend, and it's one of the highlights of our summer every year. And on the way up, it's always a stop at Kowalski's. We had some unbelievable food there. I know we talk a lot about their steaks. In this instance, we picked up sea bass on the way up, and they're so good about it. If you, if you want sea bass, you just let them know a day ahead of time. They'll have it ready for you to pick up. So I just said, hey, I need this much sea bass. They had it ready. We grabbed it, visited their their buck bucket for a couple cheese selections, red table salami out of the their cheese and, and salami area. It had unbelievable charcuterie, unbelievable sea bass for dinner. No matter what you need, Kowalski's has it, and they're so helpful with you to make sure that it's easily findable, take care of you, make sure you're prepared. If you're going to have a great meal with great friends, you got to start with the best, and for that, I go to Kowalski's. And if you're going to cook that great meal, you want a new house to do it in, Anthony, and if you're thinking about selling your home, now is the time. Now is the time. Now you can get a strong cash offer, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. You know him, the, get big, the guy on the billboards with his arms out. I've known Chris forever. I, I used know. to play basketball played, against yeah, him. Yeah, he used to beat you in basketball, I bet. From time to time. Yeah. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. Go to chrislindahl.com, fill out a quick form, receive an all-cash offer on your home today, no obligation. And the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home hassle-free. That means no showings, no open houses. No stress, just choose when you want to move and you will 
Uh, do that with absolute confidence. The Chris Lindell Real Estate Guaranteed Offer keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindell.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Back here, worst seats in the house, August 24th, LC's at 7 p.m., and Kowalski's in Uptown, 7 p.m. on August 30th. Please come out to both uh, shows. It'll be an absolute blast. And uh, we'll run through some of these other questions. So this has been a long podcast. I just realized that I'm looking at the time of this track, but there was another track to start right this podcast. before we had breaking <laughs> yeah. news. So uh, so actually, with this, this podcast And we've got a, a couple seats at the bar at Baltimore waiting for us for dinner. What time so do we have to be there, by? We're supposed to be there in about four minutes. Okay, well, tell them the way. How wait. about this one? So... Uh, Alec asks us, if you could be a hockey player, what position would you play and why? Well, number one, neither of us could be hockey yeah. players. We'll just start with that. I'd like to be a right wing. Well, I mean, if we're talking about what would you like to be, I'd love to be the first line center between yeah. a couple high scoring wingers. But more realistically, I'd be like a fourth line left wing. I do think I could be the type of guy that would be hard to play against because I think I'd play hard every mm -hmm. night. But I would be the type of guy that would need let's say 120, 140 scoring chances before I'd find the back of the net. Yeah. Something like that. I'd love to be like a right wing with Pavel Bure's talent. That's what I would want. 100, uh, 100 Watt says, who is better, Brian Trotti or Mike Bossy? Um, that's a tough one for me as an old, old Islander fan, but I'm going to go with Bossy. who's my favorite player as a kid, him and Dwayne Sutter. Bossy had nine years of 50 goals. I mean, who's doing that ever again? Um, and he only played 10 before injuries. So, I mean, that's what I mean by nobody. Who's doing that again? And um, I'm, do I'm working on a huge Bossy project right now. Um, and um, just loving every second of it. Um, AJ asks, do you think you would ever have the desire to move from a journalist role to some sort of hockey operations role for a team? How about you, Anthony? No, and again, that goes mostly back to lack of ability, and I just I realize every day how much more those guys know about the game than I do. I, will, I think I've shared this story before, though, that I had a conversation with Tom Curvers, the late Tom Curvers, who was the assistant GM with the Wild. And he, when he got out of playing, had started out as a broadcaster. And he and I were chatting one night, and he said I was he was working with the Coyotes. And he said, we got to the playoffs, and there were two buses, and the first bus was the players, and the second bus was the media and staff, which is the same thing the Wild use now. And he said, I sat there on that bus and thought, after a game, and it was a great game, exciting playoff game. And he said, all I thought about is, I want to be on that bus, meaning the bus that had something to do with the impact of, the, of whether they won or lost the game. I do have that in me. That That's one thing that I love my job, and I love trying to put together the best broadcast every night, and I'm watching the best players in the world, but I don't have any impact on whether the team wins or loses. And so when I get on the bus... Let's just let's say the Wild got beat five to two. Well, it, I mean, I'm not crushed or crestfallen or down. And I mean, they lost five to two. There's nothing they could do. And 
I get a little bit of that competitive outlet. I coach high school football, and it's not my main job. It's not my living. I don't depend on whether we win or lose. But there's something to be said for filling that void of competitiveness that when we show up on Friday night, we've been working all week. They've been working all week. We turn on a scoreboard. There's a winner. There's a loser. You work with the kids. There's something there that I get from that that if I didn't have that in life, mm -hmm. uh, there would be a void. Yeah. And so that would be the one reason why I would have interest in going and being a part of an organization instead where you actually had some kind of an impact on whether that team won or lost each game night. That you don't get in a broadcasting world yeah. or a writing world. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I think it would be a fun thing. I would love to just sit in the wild front office and hear the stuff that's going on and learn from that type of thing. And um, I did have an opportunity once to uh, work for a team that uh, in the front office that thank God I didn't take the job because the next year, I won't say what team, but they moved to Winnipeg. Uh, so, so that would have been a disaster because I don't think I would have been moving to Winnipeg, nor would they have taken me. So my career as a sports writer would have been over because most of the time you jump, you take that leap and you're not going back, right? Um, so, um, you know, uh, I just, I, th I think it would be absolutely it would, intriguing. It would be cool to be a part of, a team where you, where you were competing. I mean that that's why a lot of us play fantasy hockey or fantasy yep. football. It's your one chance to mm -hmm. somewhat run a team, and it's yeah. but it's not the same. No and doubt. it would be that part of it would yeah. be intriguing. Although I I know that my qualifications would be quite a bit short. Yeah, I you know it's it's funny because obviously as a sports writer you you don't have that competitiveness like you like you said like what what could bring it but lately as I've gotten longer in this business and really started to scour the landscape of sports writing I I realized that there's you know there's a lot of a lot of people that are sports writers that um, are sort of filling the seat of people that should be sports writers. And need to just leave the business. And uh, so lately, it's funny. I don't know. One thing that has made that brought a lot of satisfaction to me is is that I'm, I'm sort of an open uh, door to my um, like uh, getting in touch with me, whether it's email or Instagram DMs or or, or, or Twitter DMs or whatever to to college kids or whatever to just get advice and how and you know I've I've taken on a couple people that I've been protégéing and things like that and there's sort of a we have one kid that that goes to Michigan State that's going to that I mentor a little bit um, that shadowed me for games and right now this year he's going to cover a lot of Michigan State for the athletic and that has brought unbelievable like you know satisfaction to me so that's that's the type of stuff that's cool Wild Nation asks do you think the Wild could consider moving assets for uh, Jacob Trickman, his cap hit is good for you. I like him a lot. Um, I don't think that they would, uh, based on just the number of, of defensemen that they have coming. It makes no sense. Um, but I would, I've gotten to know him really well. I think the world of him, I'm friends with his dad too. So, um, you know, I would love it to happen. Uh, great, Joe. Do you think the Twins can make the playoffs and win a game, Anthony? Well, about three weeks ago, I thought they were a virtual lock to make the playoffs, even though I just don't think this is a team that's dangerous in the postseason. And it's going to be a fun pennant race. The Twins, Guardians, and White Sox are all close. They're, I don't think any of the three of them are complete clubs. I, but once you get in, you never know. And, yeah, they can win a game. I don't think this is team right now with this current makeup is a threat to make a deep run in the playoffs. 
But I think anytime you're at this point in the season and the games still matter and you're in a pennant race, sit back and enjoy it. It's fun every day to go to the ballpark right now and be watching the scoreboard and have those games matter. Right. And to be watching it's what's happening in the Cleveland game, what's happening in the Chicago game. Yeah. And and the Twins right now just swept three at home from Kansas City and They've got a big homestand this weekend with the Hall of Fame weekend. It's just fun to be at the ballpark when the games yeah. matter in August and September. What time are they closing the kitchen at uh, Baltimore? I don't know. I'd say it's a good time to wrap up the show. Okay, let me just quickly go through because there are a couple good. Benny, Benny asked, Donkey Hockey League expansion in Australia. We are voting on expansion right now. Could that happen? Uh, not in Australia. Okay. Uh, chances of Wild let Wall Street were number one. I think that's probably a good uh, bet. Let me just see if there's any others. Wild showing any interest in uh, Eric, Evan Rodriguez? No. Um wins face-offs for this team? That's a good question. Um, any others that you saw? Nope. <laughs> How many times do you rewrite a story? Uh, God, there was one that I wanted to answer, but I can't, I can't find it. We're going to save a lot of these for our next live show. Um, lots of really good questions, actually, this week that I just saw. So we will uh, save a lot of this um, for uh, next week's show. August 24th, 7 p.m. at Elsie's. Uh, the, the show after that is uh, Kowalski's August 30th. That's Uptown show, so definitely come to that. Um, highly, highly recommended. It's always just a really cool time. It'll be a great doing, night. Yeah, doing these shows. Thanks to our sponsors. Of course, all the Tuttle's restaurants, um, Grain Belt, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Royal Credit Union, Kowalski's, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, and Bosch Law Firm. Thanks, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner Yeah, Mike, uh, Mike once got angry at me on a shuffleboard court and threw a rock at me. <laughs> <laughs>